1: Today, we're talking to Douglas Hodgson. Uh, He is a dual citizen of Canada and Australia, a lawyer, dean and professor of law residing in Perth, Western Australia. He was just telling me right now it's going to be 110 degrees there. Meanwhile, it's minus two where I am. (laughs) His areas of expertise include international human rights and humanitarian law, civil law, And causation law. Professor Hodgson has authored and published 30 peer-reviewed law journal articles and six books. He has made it from hard law to spirituality. And that is my first question. How did you make that leap? Thanks. Welcome to the show, by the way.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you, Barb. It's very nice to be with you. Thank you for your invitation onto your program. And I'm looking forward very much to sharing with you and your uh, audience. Well, I've always had an interest in comparative religion and in the afterlife. But as a busy university academic for some 35 years, most of my reading related to my work uh, duties. But uh, when I retired at the beginning of 2018, I found that a whole new world had opened up to me. And I was able to read what I really wanted to. And I recall that in and around 1990, I read a book uh, by Dr. Raymond Moody called Life After Life, a previous edition. And I was absolutely captivated by the so-called phenomenon of a near-death experience. And when I retired in 2018, I rekindled that interest I read another book by Dr. Edwin Alexander entitled Proof of Heaven, a Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, in which Dr. Alexander detailed his own NDE. And once again I was utterly fascinated and captivated by his account and the insights into the higher realms. So I thought, well, maybe this is worth looking into. as a research project. So I got onto the website of EANs. That's the acronym standing for the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And I found their archives, and it's a wonderful treasure trove of hundreds upon hundreds of near-death experience accounts, written accounts by those who've had an NDE. Uh, some of them were quite brief, uh, others were quite lengthy, and I started pouring through these accounts. And I noticed that the more accounts I read, the more I seemed to identify common themes or messaging which they were trying to portray in their accounts. So I began taking copious notes. The university lecturers do this. They tend to write everything <laughs> down and collate the information and slowly but surely inexorably um, chapter headings began to develop and although it wasn't my intention originally to write a book I thought well it's moving in this direction and after a couple of hundred accounts I began reading um, new accounts to the effect that Uh, Those who had an out-of-body experience and had gone to the veil and were infused with knowledge, they were told by the light or beings of light, now your mission is to return to your body, to your earthly life, and you must now share what you have learned and the messages you have received with humanity. And I read that in a number of accounts, and the penny dropped at that point. I then then thought, this is great. I can collate and collect all of this material and become a mouthpiece, as it were, for these 500 or so people who have had a near-death experience, and reported basically the same thing in perhaps slightly different nuanced language. And that formed the basis of my book, uh, Spiritual Revelations from Beyond the Veil, What Humanity Can Learn from the Near-Death Experience. And I believe we're at a pivotal time in human history in which God is revealing to humanity through, amongst other things, the near-death experience, uh, great and profound knowledge of the divine, of the afterlife, for the benefit of humanity at this particular juncture in human history,
1: why do you think that's happening now? Do you have an idea well, for that? that? That's a very About good that.
2: question. Uh, but uh, if people follow world events, there seem to be <laughs> so much uh, dark or negative energy in this world. Mind you, there are many light workers and many people trying to encourage other people to embrace positive energy and the light. But I believe that we are entering uh, a phase in human history, which might be described as a purification or a cleansing. And this is why the NDEs have returned to convey these messages to humanity, to give us hope to reassure us that death is not to be feared and that the only thing that really matters in our lives is to manifest unconditional love towards others.
1: How do we get unconditional? First, let me ask, what is unconditional love? I know everybody says, well, love each other, but that's being human, unconditional love is pretty tough. It's almost beyond our ability, to be honest.
2: That's true. Well, let let me have a stab at it. Uh, Unconditional (laughs) love would be probably the purest or the highest form of love, or perhaps the only form of love. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's not unconditional, it's not love. But unconditional love is a love which flows with no strings attached. Uh, It's a love for all that exists. Um, It's a love that is not actuated by the prospect uh, or the motivation of personal gain. There's nothing in it for us. It's a love that does not differentiate or differ, regardless of the circumstances. As one end of said, it is a love for all that is.
1: Or to grapple, you know, that, get that in, because it is huge. Um, your the NDEs, you both, did you talk to them personally, or was it all research, everything you no, read? No, it
2: was all based on the written accounts that I read to Barb. So I, I myself have never had an NDE. Uh, mm-hmm. I've not spoken to the authors of the accounts. But as I said, some of them were very lengthy in detail. And those in particular are used as the basis of my book. They were all written anonymously, so it's hard to put a a demographic on the authors of these accounts. But I think the important thing is what they had to say in their accounts and the messages uh, for humanity.
1: What At the moment of death, what did they experience? And was there fear... Or uh, they may not have told you that part of the moment before death. <laughs> you know? Well,
2: there's lots to say about that. Um, there's no such thing as death. Uh, our, our physical body dies. It expires. But our energy merely changes form. As one end of the year uh, so-called death is like walking from one room into another. Your energy remains the same, but your perspective changes. So when they left their bodies, uh, as one ear said, the heavenly umbilical cord is severed. Uh, the soul consciousness or the life force or the spirit is separated from a physical body, and essentially the consciousness is rebirthed into the world of spirit. According to the nd ears, uh, we leave behind all of our pain and suffering, all of our worldly cares and anxieties. We may have been dying of an excruciating terminal illness, but when the soul consciousness leaves the body, the pain and suffering immediately ends. And when you enter the world of spirit, you encounter what the NDEers call an elevated awareness, or an expanded consciousness. Uh, As another NDEer recounted, uh, when I left my body, I left me or I behind. I left behind my earthly identity. And she said, it's very hard to explain, but everything became one. I was everything and everything was me. So she left behind the duality of the earthly realm, in which everything seems to be separate um, and apart. Uh, humans, objects were all separate and apart. But in the world of spirit, everything is an interconnected oneness. And in the realm of spirit, the spirit finds out if it's forgotten that it is infinite and eternal and it becomes one with everything and the soul consciousness is mind it's our thoughts our feelings it's what we are it's our pure essence at the deepest uh, foundational level and our soul consciousness immediately thinks much more clearly and rapidly and is infused with universal knowledge, uh, very complex um, concepts that would take us a long, long time on earth to understand and grasp, they are instantaneously self-evident in the world of spirit. And in the world of spirit, the soul has complete freedom of movement Uh, the movement of the soul consciousness is controlled by the soul's thoughts. So, if the soul wants to visit a certain continent on earth, all it has to do is think of that continent or that place, and it will be there. Utterly fascinating. And another fascinating insight that I wanted to share with your listeners is that in the world of spirit, and this has been confirmed by dozens and dozens of nd ears that in the world of spirit um, there is no linear or sequential time and space that the soul consciousness transcends time and space in the world of spirit or the heavenly realms there is only the present the eternal now but in the heavenly realms the present includes everything that has gone before and everything that will ever happen and that is all happening simultaneously and that is absolutely mind boggling and very difficult for us on earth to get our to wrap our minds around but that is the uh, what the end to ears report and As a fascinating footnote to that, um, Dr. Eben Alexander, in his book that I referred to, uh, did discuss that very point, that in the world of spirit, our soul consciousness can access any place on earth at any historical period. So for example, if someone uh, likes ancient history, out of their body, their soul consciousness can go back to the Battle of Salamis in 500 BC between the ancient Greeks and the Persians. And I found that absolutely fascinating as an insight. So, that, that's an example of what we have to look forward to when our soul leaves our body. We are essentially rebirthed into the realm of spirit and as one of ear points out that in itself is a sacred event, just as it is our birth on earth.
1: When in that time that they cross over, emotions drop away. But you talked about feelings. And I don't know if you can see in this research are feelings and emotions different? And then how, do we have feelings for the people we left on earth?
2: My understanding is yes. Uh, There is no difference. Um, When we leave our physical body, our feelings and emotions uh, continue to exist, but there's a significant difference. Our emotions and feelings in the spiritual realm are experienced at a much deeper and richer level.
1: So if they're watching the people that they've left behind who are grief-stricken, is there an emotion about that, or in empathy, or or did they say?
2: Absolutely. Um, In the realm of spirit, they can still connect with uh, the loved ones they left behind, and in some instances even become guardian angels, watching over those uh, loved ones that they are now separated from. That connection still continues, very much so. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, in, in the higher spiritual realms, you experience unconditional love and you manifest that as a soul consciousness. So that connection does remain.
1: Can they impact the life of the people left behind? Can you know, like it's like, help me, help me.
2: <laughs> well, that that is the purpose apparently of our guardian angels. Um, we must ask for their help. They're not allowed to intervene to help us unless we express our proper intention and make a request and they can intervene. So I've heard it said that uh, departed loved ones return to the ones they've left behind on earth in the form of dreams to reassure them that they are still with them they're still very close to them and a part of their lives, and still watching over them.
1: Um, sometimes um, I've noticed that people will get messages from odd places, but not get the dreams. And I'm bringing this up because I've seen this enough that I believe there's grief is very dense. And I just want to put this out there for the person who's just lost somebody, and are not seeing them in dreams and are upset by that. And yet they'll go to the grocery store and the clerk will say, hey, I dreamed of your husband last night. And, you know, your husband was great. He looked great. Um, but they're thinking, why are you dreaming of him? Why am I not dreaming of him? And, and it's almost like a second grief. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because that grief is intense and spirits have a hard time getting through well so they will go to somebody who has almost no connection very easy to get through for you to get the message i just want to put that out to anybody who's grieving okay. that that's that is what happens that's what i've seen happen in my experience and then eventually you know as the grief gets a little easier they're able to mm-hmm. get through but I know people are not only heartbroken by losing the person; then they're heartbroken again by lack of communication. So I right. just wanted to put that out. Sorry that okay. sort of jump in with my own thing there, but That's um, very I did want right? to put that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did want to put that out because it's it's heartbreaking in a way um, mm-hmm. to the people left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why do they come back? <laughs> I mean, if it's so great, you know, um, why do they come back? And if they're told to come back, um, do they are they told why explicitly or just in a general?
2: Well, they they don't really want to come back because at the veil, at the point where they <clears throat> can cross over to heaven, they're advised that if you cross over this barrier uh, whether it's a fence or a lake or stream or gate you will not be allowed to return to your earthly body but being at the veil they can glimpse what's on the other side of the veil and they feel um utter peace love acceptance joy bliss euphoria It's a very deep emotional experience, and they don't want to come back. But the beings of light or the light or God says, you now must return to your earthly body because your life mission is not finished. You have other things to complete. It may be responsibilities of the family nature. Maybe they are um, sent back to become a light worker, to spread light and positive energy to humanity. And some of them argue. <laughs> they say they say to the being of light, I don't want to return. I'm not going back. And before they know it, they're zapped clunked back into their body. <laughs> I'm
1: and- surprised they don't make a beeline for the other side. If you go through that gate, you're not <laughs> you can't go back. I'm surprised they don't take a shot and run for it.
2: Well, that's exactly right. And and when they get back, uh, sometimes that's when all the problems begin, because they've experienced something that uh, we just don't experience on earth. It's not a regular experience. And they have no language, no ability to communicate their experience in any language, uh, what happened to them? There's no earthly experience which is equivalent to what happened to them, so they do their best to explain the experience. And as one year said, it, it's a bit like trying to uh, depict a magnificent sunset by drawing it in sand with a stick. It just can't be done. Yeah. So they they use the term it was indescribable or ineffable ineffable. Um, but then the, when they talk to their friends uh, or uh, close family about it, some of them just don't believe it. You know, that's, we don't believe you. Others uh, can say, well, yes, I'm sure this happened to you, but I, I really can't relate to what you're saying. So some of the ears have great difficulties uh, coping, and in some cases relationships break down. And that's why in the USA and the UK and Australia, uh, NDE support groups have been set up uh, to support these people. But eventually in time, um, uh, the NDEers realize that what happened to them was for a higher purpose, and they must get their message out there, their story out there. And again, that is the purpose of my book. And... Some people say, well, this is just like a dream you have at night. They say, oh, no, 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 it was much more real. So when we dream at night, and then we wake up in the morning, we think, well, our dream, it was very pleasant, but it wasn't real. Our earthly life is real. But the end years say that after they've returned from their experience, earthly life is the dream or the illusion what is real or what is the ultimate reality is what I experienced in the world of spirit and some of them remember their experience 20 30 years after it happened in graphic and vivid detail as if it happened yesterday so it's quite amazing and that they
1: all or just some of them well do some uh, lose some, the of them memory,
2: that. some of them didn't address that issue but that mm-hmm. comment or observation was made in multiple accounts that it was more than a dream it was it was it was more real than real it's it's more real than waking consciousness on earth and in every case that I read which addressed the issue it resulted in a profound life-changing experience in two respects two main respects barb number one uh, they knew exactly why we're here on earth i mean each of us here on earth has a unique and tailored life mission which we are sent to fulfill and whether we achieve that or not will be dependent upon whether we based on our choices made pursuant to free will, embrace positive or negative energy. The other main learning from the experience is that death is not to be feared, that we each have a soul consciousness that is eternal, that survives the death of our physical body, and a beautiful afterlife awaits us and many of them describe the world of spirit or heaven or the heavenly realms as our true home. That our earthly life is our temporary home. Uh, Our soul consciousness for the duration of our earthly incarnation is entrapped in our physical body. Our bodies are our temporary home, enabling us to live life on Earth, to experience life to the full, to develop relationships, to love and be loved, and to learn and acquire divine knowledge. But ultimately, we return home. And I mentioned earlier that I study comparative religion. And there's a beautiful proverb from Taoism, which I think it's in the Tao Te Ching, which says, uh, life is a venturing forth, death is a returning home. And that sentiment was echoed in one of the NDE accounts that I read. Life is a venturing forth for us to learn, to evolve and progress our souls or our consciousness to a higher level. It's almost like the university of life we have to learn our lessons while on earth and if we pass if we're successful in that we graduate to a higher level and it's sort of an eternal progression of our soul consciousness um, gradually inexorably moving towards communion with the light or with god
1: if when we go over to the other side, and it's going home, and we kind of blend into this all-knowingness, this all knowingness, this all-energy. Um, don't we then know everything? <laughs> <laughs> or do we have to come back and learn it? <laughs> don't we all well, know everything then?
2: That's a good point, and I've considered that question myself. Uh, when you are, are in the world of spirit, you access as one end ear said the universal data structure but you're not omniscient as God is you are you access higher levels of all-knowingness but you don't know everything that that will uh, depend on countless incarnations in physical and non-physical realms but In the world of spirit, your soul consciousness may still have things that it hasn't learned. And that's the purpose of the so-called life review. And if you have to work on certain areas, you know, if you need to be a more kind and loving person, or more patient and forgiving, you are sent to Earth to learn those lessons in accordance with the particular life experiences you choose. So that's a great question, but that's that's my educated guess as to why we keep coming back. Because as another ear said, we keep coming back here, or in other realms, until we learn all of the lessons and get it right. And if you look at Eastern religions, uh, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, that's the definition of enlightenment or self-realization. When we have learned all of the lessons, when we leave behind our earthly identity, our I, or ego, we suppress the ego, and we realize that we are one with everything, and everything is one with us.
1: You know what? I want to take a break right now, and when we come back, I want to talk about free will, karma, these big questions. So we'll be right back.
0: One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit a view aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit A View Through the It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Metaphysics A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to A View Through the Veil at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and we are back with Douglas Hodgson, who has just written the book spiritual revelations from beyond the veil, what humanity can learn from the near-death experience. And we've just been talking about the moment of death and going over and what they're learning as the person passes to the other realm through death and then comes back to tell us about it. And now we're going to the other side, the purpose and meaning of life, soul agreements and karma and what happens before we come. So let me bring you, I guess, the big one is purpose and meaning of life. And was that all about love, just love?
2: (laughs) Well, basically, that's it, um, Barb. Uh, The message is quite simple, um, quite logical. Uh, It's about manifesting unconditional love, which I tried to explain before. Um, We are here on our earthly journey to experience life, to live life to the full. It's like um, a journey of the soul. Um, We are here to learn, uh, to acquire divine knowledge, to tap into positive energy. Uh, We are here to be loved as well. Uh, We are here to uh, this is according to the end of ears to serve god and we do that by serving others uh, by uh, rendering material and spiritual charity to them um we are here to understand what unconditional love is what is the concept and to be love to live unconditional love and of course Uh, our life on earth would not be complete without trials and tribulations and problems and challenges and as the end of year said they are not to be feared they are not to be cowered from we have to approach them uh, in a positive way Uh, they are opportunities for the soul to learn what particular lessons we have been sent to earth to learn to help us evolve our soul so whenever we encounter a huge challenge or problem in our lives uh, we're encouraged to try to think or discern why that's happening to me and how can i learn from it Um, am i to learn the virtue of patience or forgiveness or to become a kinder person, and so forth. Uh, that, that's the basic message of the end to ears as to why we're here. But they say that although the message is simple, uh, humans tend to overcomplicate it. And of course, living it in practice is quite another thing. Because of the mm-hmm. world we live in, uh, when you're confronted with negative energy, it's often difficult. To manifest that unconditional love and that positive energy. So, as another NDEer said, we do live in a very difficult earthly plane of existence, but that is really for the edification and development of our soul.
1: So, that in coming, in uh, being born into the earth plane, we are cutting off ourselves from all knowledge, from all um connectedness really with the with the bigger with the bigger um uh, knowingness the bigger energy
2: but, but and, and an then ex- we're
1: taking on emotion <laughs> yeah.
2: that's an excellent Which point is tough. question um, my my educated guess is that we when we are incarnated into our earthly life someone hits the delete button much of what we know in the higher realms is wiped from our mind and that is for a higher purpose to facilitate our learning on earth however i don't think it's entirely wiped Uh, have you ever had those moments in your life when you know something to be true but you can't remember ever reading about it or ever being told about it by someone. You just yeah. know yeah. it to be true. And the nde ear said, don't dismiss it. That is your conscience or your intuition, and you've always known that. In, in the higher realms, you've known that to be so. But when you're incarnated on earth, much of that is lost. But there are rem scattered remnants of that deep in your conscience or your mind. So, do rely on your intuition, because it may very well be completely accurate, it may be truthful. And as another nde said, after my NDE, I no longer rely on reason and logic, I rely more on my conscience and my intuition. I think that was very well put.
1: Yeah. It's hard to go there sometimes, especially when your brain gets involved. So you mm-hmm. know your your in, intuition is telling you one thing, and then the brain starts telling you something else. <laughs> so exactly. it's hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. hard to do. Um, the in coming in with the motion, one thing I have to say is, if we didn't cut ourselves off from that knowledge, I don't think anybody would live past five years old. <laughs> I'll be, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it here. I'm gone. <laughs> okay. but Take um,
2: those early exits.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking about. I'll do it next time. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, before we go into the positive and negative emotion, I, I do want to talk about the soul agreements. What happens before we come? So as we're coming into life, what are we coming in with, along with getting rid of the knowledge of it. You know, what has happened before we come?
2: Well, the chapter in my book on soul agreements was the shortest chapter, I think it was two pages in length, mainly but, because only about a dozen or so into years address this, this phenomenon or concept. But it reminds me of something I read in the Tibetan Book of the Dead in the Bardos. So <clears throat> there must be something to it. And that's why I included it in my uh, book. But mm-hmm. this is an oversimplification. But basically, between earthly incarnations, uh, we have a life review, which is basically meant to enlighten the soul to point out where we went wrong and how we could have acted better during our life on earth and how we should conduct ourselves in future incarnations but we sit down with our spirit guides our guardian angels and beings of light and so forth and we map out our next Earthly incarnation, or it could be an incarnation elsewhere in another physical realm or another um, spiritual realm. And we decide, it's a, like a collegial effort in consultation with the spirit guides, particularly, um, what our goal or our mission is in that next incarnation or iteration of the soul consciousness. Um, Basically, what our life mission is, what are the learnings that we are to take out of that uh, lifetime. Um, Other important points that are decided as part of the soul agreement is the length, the length of our earthly lifetime, Uh, the continent of our birth, the circumstances of our birth, the family that we are going to be born into. So in a very overarching way, these things, according to the end ears, are decided before our soul consciousnesses enter the womb and we are born on earth.
1: Are they now, decided per- by Let me ask a quick question. Are they decided by us or uh, by God or the angels or guides or all together? Or do you know?
2: Well, my interpretation of the 12 or so accounts that I read is that it's a collegial effort. It's done in consultation with the spirit guides. I don't think it's done unilaterally. My sense is that the Soul Consciousness cannot be stubborn and demand this to be so. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Spirit Guides are there to guide the Soul Consciousness as to what is best for them. So, ultimately, the Soul Consciousness agrees. But to use an earthly term, I think the Spirit Guides are in a bit of a mentoring role. And the other point I'd like to make is that once those matters are determined, they cannot be changed. So, the the lifespan cannot be uh, unilaterally changed. That, that's set in stone, and um, we have to live with that. So, we are sent to earth uh, with that um, soul agreement. But once we're here, uh, we are given by God uh, the gift or privilege of free will. So, As I mentioned in my book, if you can rely on a family uh, analogy, uh, parents, uh, when their children are very young, make decisions for them. But as the child develops to puberty and adolescence, we slowly but gradually give our children more decision-making autonomy uh, in the hope and expectation that they will make wise choices. And similarly, God. Why does God give us free will? I mean, He can, I suppose, force us to love Him, mm-hmm. but that that wouldn't be a genuine love. That would be less than authentic, less than real. So He loves us so dearly, and each of our souls is unique to the cosmos, that He gives us that free will, the latitude to make choices for our own lives. Uh, Of course, God hopes that when we reach the proverbial fork in the road, we face a very important choice in our lives, that we decide based on positive energy, rather than negative energy. And whatever we choose, God honors and accepts that choice. But The important point is that we will ultimately be held accountable at the soul level for all choices we make pursuant to that free will. And if we make the right choice, uh, right in quotation marks, if we uh, make choices based on positive energy, that will help us not only to um, realign ourselves with our life's mission, and to grow towards God, but will help us in our next incarnations. Uh, Conversely, if we follow the darker path, if we use negative energy, which draws us away from our life mission and draws us away from God, that will also have implications for us at the life review and will affect the, the quality and circumstances of our life in the next incarnation. That's my reading of the NDE accounts.
1: On the NDE accounts, did you ever have someone go over um who had, had who had chosen and when we're talking about negative energy, I'm I'm assuming we're talking about greed or murderer or you know, somebody who has chosen the dark side of life, basically. Um Any of those NDEs go over that you've read, say, Well, yeah, I was, you know, I was that person. And what happens on the other side? I don't know if you've read, you know, something like that. And do they go to uh, hell and is there hell?
2: Okay. Well, I'll I'll address your question, right? In (laughs) two two parts. It is huge.
1: Yeah. uh, First
2: of all, Uh, in terms of what I mean by negative energy, um, you're exactly right. It's um, anger, uh, greed, hatred, uh, fear, um, stealing from others, um, finding fault with other people, um, doing violence or harm to others, including all sentient beings, it's the negative energy that's the expressions used by the nd ears but it's what mainstream religion calls um well the abrahamic religions judaism islam christianity what is evil or what is not good or righteous and then you have positive energy which are the divine virtues uh, are the Uh, virtues that mainstream religion uh, says that we should follow to have a better life, Um, loving kindness, uh, compassion, charity and service to others, uh, peacefulness and contentedness, uh, truthfulness, uh, forgiveness and patience. So there are distinct parallels there. Uh, the positive and negative energy to what in the West we would call righteousness or goodness and evil. And yes, uh, I did come across uh, negative experiences in which uh, the years recounted various experiences. I would say that approximately 10% of all of the accounts that I read were of a negative nature, and I can classify them into three different types. Uh, the first type of negative experience was where the, um, the soul consciousness, for one reason or another, does not proceed down the tunnel of light, or through the deep dark valley towards the pinprick of light at the end. Uh, It may not accept God's beauty, it may fear going down the tunnel, or it may be too attached with something in the earthly realm. It may be reluctant to leave a dear one that has just left behind in its physical death. It may be too attached to their home, or too attached to a pet, or another a treasure, a painting, or what have you, or a book. And for that reason, the soul consciousness is caught in between. It's in a transitional state. It's almost like what Asians would call a so-called hungry ghost, or it's what Westerners might call an earthbound spirit. So the soul consciousness never experiences uh, the light and wisdom of God it's stuck in a transitional state. That was one type of negative experience. Um, The second type of negative experience, um, the NDEers said that it was like the state of mind, that what they experienced was an absence of the presence of God. It was being like kept from the kept from God and the light. It was an absence of God. It was being totally alone and in darkness. And that was the second type of NDE that was described. And a third type of negative NDE was uh, what I would call um, one of darker negative energy and sensory perception. So the soul consciousness uh, is in a dark place and accompanied by a being of light. And they are allowed to see these hellish places. And in one case, um, the soul was taken to a place of severe torment and pain and anguish and suffering. And it actually saw humanoid forms which were stuck on a wall. The torso was actually embedded in the wall, cemented into the wall, and the only thing that stuck out from the wall were the arms and the face. And the soul consciousness viewed the eyes of the tormented soul and felt a great anguish and empathy and compassion for that soul. And the being of light was cocooning the soul consciousness in its white light, and caution the soul: if you step out from the protection of this white light, you will never leave this place. Wow. And I distinctly remember that's that.
1: terrifying.
2: Yes. So uh, that was um, my experience with the negative NDE. But to be fair, I really wasn't searching. And doing research on the negative NDEs. I did include mm-hmm. some NDEs in my book, but my primary emphasis was on the positive, the positive energy and the light, and trying to reassure people. But I have no doubt, uh, Barb, that there is so much material on negative NDEs that that's right for a research project for another researcher to come along and and do a complete uh,
1: book on. Your next book? (laughs) Your next book. Well, I'm not sure I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, karma, we only have a few minutes, but karma, is that karma, or is karma something else?
2: Well, um, my my legal research revolved around the law of causation, Uh uh, specifically intervening causation, a very difficult concept for lawyers. But in the earthly realm, there is a law, a universal law of cause and effect. But according to one end-to-ear, it operates somewhat differently than our earthly experience. But to my chagrin, that end ear did not um, expand on what that meant. How does it operate <laughs> differently? So I'm yeah. still there's still a big question mark. But the Indy did identify various universal laws. Uh, mm-hmm. The law of reincarnation, the law of attraction, and the law of karma and cause and effect. And essentially, to use the biblical metaphor, uh, what we sow, we reap. Mm-hmm. So all that we send out into the universe will sooner or later be returned to us, whether we like it or not. So, if we manifest positive energy, that will come back to us. If we manifest negative energy, that will surely be returned to us. And one other universal law that I found fascinating, and I'd like to mention for you and your audience, is that it revolves around nature, that Mm -hmm. the planet Earth is a living organism, Um, Earth is our mother, And it's a universal law that we must respect and live in harmony with nature. And we cannot take from this planet more than our basic needs require and more than can be sustainably produced. And of course, the indigenous populations of this world have known that for millennia. But in the West, we have been slow to appreciate that. But I think Humanity has reached the tipping point, the light bulb moment in which we have to now start living in harmony with nature. Otherwise, we do so at our own peril.
1: Mm-hmm. Nature will win. <laughs> yeah. Nature will win. Um, this has been great. Thanks so much. But uh, you wanted to really bring this information to people who have lost somebody and And the grief who are grieving, or people who are facing an imminent death to to try and ease their soul about what's coming, and that it's it's basically good. And that Indeed, um,
2: uh, Bob, yes peaceful. I, I've written it for the terminally ill to reassure them that <clears throat> they will survive the death of their body, that a beautiful afterlife awaits them for those who are suffering a difficult uh, bereavement, to reassure them that they will be re- reunited with their loved ones, uh, even according to some NDEers, their childhood pets in heaven.
1: Well, that's um, nice, too. Yeah.
2: And it's also to validate and corro- corroborate the experiences of the NDEers themselves, that they are not alone in what they experienced. And what they experienced has been experienced by many, many others. So it's, and even for those who fear life and who fear death, this book is for them spiritual revelations from beyond the veil. I'm confident uh, will answer all of their questions. It's not <clears throat> my beliefs, it is those messaging messages and uh, knowledge of the end to ears who have returned from the veil and are very eager to share that knowledge and information with humanity.
1: And where can they get your book? Is it out now?
2: It's out now. It's been out on Amazon US since January 1st. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's on Barnes & Noble. Yes.
1: Yes. i got to put in the year because this can go on for a while. (laughs) Okay. January 1st,
2: 2024. Um, Hi, uh, the Indie Bound. Uh, my publisher is Zero Books, so uh, www.zerobooks.com. I think my mm-hmm. publisher has a 50% discount for January, so it's a good time wow. to be yeah. purchasing from Zero Books and from mm-hmm. most uh, online booksellers and uh, from local bricks and mortar bookshops.
1: Can, um, are you open to people contacting you directly?
2: I certainly am, and I'm happy for you to pass on my email address to them, uh, dchodson53 at gmail.com.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for being on. It's a huge subject, and it's very comforting to to most of us. Thank you.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you, Barb, for having me on.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye.